Good morning. Is it on, Anita? You got me? Okay. Uh, man, I get excited. Uh, I say that every weekend, but I really do. Every weekend I get excited over something new that the Lord is doing. Um, just the thought. I've started watching the, the series Chosen. I don't know if anybody's seen it. But it just kind of brought to life some things. Um, God's children are living very poorly and in bad conditions and were seriously oppressed um, when Jesus came. And what a relief it must have been for them to think that he was going to set them free from all of that. And I believe that we're headed to a point that they were in, guys. I believe that we're headed to a state that's not going to be so great and we will be anxiously awaiting the second coming of Christ because we're under such oppression and such spiritual conflict. And I believe that we're headed there. And the reason I get excited about it is because the excitement to think that your Savior, that your Father, is coming back to handpick you, to get you, to bring you home. I just, the thought of that, just him coming back to get me and saying, child, it's time for you to come home. And the relief that we're going to be if we get rid of all the, the corruption and the lust and the idolatry that's in this world today. And it's all just instantaneously lifted as those skies part. And he comes back for us. I just, man, the thought of that. I can't imagine... Uh, one of those shepherds standing out in the field and the angels appearing and, and just fall to your knees in pure joy that your Savior has came for you. Oh, man, I can't wait for that stuff. There was a, a funny part where he was, uh, Zebedee, I believe it was James and John, right? Zebedee's kids, somebody correct me if I'm wrong. And uh, Jesus is standing on the bank and he calls them to follow him and and the older brother kind of pulls the younger one back and says, Dad, what will we tell Mom? And he goes, the man we've been praying for all of our life has just called you to follow him, and you're worried about what we're going to tell your mother? Go. It's just funny because it kind of brought it to life, like, oh my gosh, what are we going to tell Mom? And it's like, does it matter? The man we've been praying for all of our life is here, and he's calling you. That's the feeling we can feel every day because the man that created us is calling us to follow him every day. The son that came and died on the cross for us is calling out to us every day to follow him. The help we pray for is inside of us in the Holy Spirit. The salvation that we have is a free gift that we just have to lay hands on. I mean, it just all becomes so real when you think about everything that is happening in this world, but the pure joy it is to think about the second coming of Christ. Because all of it goes away. All the pain, the sadness, the darkness, it goes away. And we get to follow a Savior home. A permanent home, a permanent dwelling. Uh... Man, that gets me excited. Anyways, let's go to the Lord in word of prayer this morning. Gracious Heavenly Father, God, it's, it's what a wonderful opportunity to be in your house this morning. 
Lord, I know that many of us are tired this morning, uh, but Lord, we are truly blessed to be here. It's an opportunity like none other to get into your presence today, not only today, but every day, Lord. I pray that every person here seeks you individually on their own time, not just here on Sunday, but God calls on you every hour of every day. Lord, seeking your guidance, seeking what you would have for us. But Lord, I pray today that you would pour out your spirit on us. Lord, that you would fill this church. Lord, I pray that Satan would be bound in your name, that he had no occasion here. Lord, I could feel your spirit this morning. God, and I am thankful for the God that you are. The way you've created us, the world you've put us in, Lord, I know it's all for purpose. Lord, and I know that we're all supposed to be here this morning. Lord, each and every purpose, person here has a purpose here this morning. God, I pray that you administer to us this morning. God, whatever we're feeling, God, whatever we're lacking, whatever we're longing for, God, I just pray that you administer to us this morning. Show us your ways. Let us draw closer to you. Lord, we pray that you be with all those that are not here this morning. Lord, the ones that couldn't make it to church, the ones that have chosen not to. Lord, I just pray that you would reach out and touch them this morning. Lord, I pray that they would long for you. But Lord, I pray that you be at their service this morning. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Guys, I promise to you, I don't pray for themed services or messages. I, I promise you that. I don't, I don't go to God in prayer and say, God, I need something that lines up with Christmas. Because it's that time of year. That's not what I do. I promise you. But he gave me this title this morning. It's called Presence or Presence. And when I texted it to Anita, my sermon notes, she... She thought I was asking her a question. <laughs> but I am asking a question. Do we desire presence or do we desire his presence? You know, God brings a lot of things. God blesses who he chooses and he can bless us beyond belief and out of this world things. But we have to be careful. Sometimes that's what we long for. That's what we desire for. And we don't truly start spending enough time in his presence. Or in his presence. So that's what I wanted to talk to you about this morning. First off, I want to see that. I, I don't know if you can see this. It was hanging on a cabinet downstairs in the kitchen. I'm sure it was from yesterday. But guys, I read it. And it couldn't be more true. It says, be mindful of one another. Be kind on purpose. And be considerate on purpose it's your decision how you treat somebody it doesn't have anything to do with them it is solely your decision of how you treat somebody else it doesn't matter how they act or react it is your choice of how you treat them do it on purpose I can't tell you guys enough to be intentional with the word of God, be intentional with your prayer life, be intentional about setting time aside to be in the presence of God, be intentional with your family, be intentional with your friends, because I fear too often in this life, we are not so intentional and things don't get done the way they need to get done. But we need to be intentional 
with talking to people about God, and we need to be intentional about asking people if they've accepted Christ as Savior. We have to be intentional, but that intentionality starts inside of you and getting in the Word of God on your own. Because I don't think that you can't practice it at home and all of a sudden do it on the street when you need to do it. We have to start being intentional at our house, and that's kind of where I'm going with this today. I'm going to start in Acts chapter 8, verse 9. Acts chapter 8 and verse 9. It says, but there was a certain man called Simon, which before time in the same city used sorcery and bewitched the people of Samaria, giving out that himself was some great one, to whom they all gave heed from the least to the greatest, saying, this man is the great power of God. And to, whom, and to him they had regard, because that of long time he had bewitched them with sorceries. So he'd kind of trick these people, right? Think then that he was some great, powerful man of God, but he was proclaiming himself. And he was, had it all on his shoulder. He was the big wig, and he was calling the shots. And people regarded him for that. And he let them keep on believing him. But in verse 12 it says, But when they believed Philip, preaching the things concerning the kingdom of God and the name of Jesus Christ, they were baptized both men and women. So enters the preaching of the gospel, right? Starts correcting people's ways. Starts telling them the truth. I believe that the world could use a little more of the truth. Sometimes it hurts. Sometimes they're not going to like you. But that's okay. Some people just don't like me and that's alright. Like I said, it's not about how they treat you. It's about how you treat them. It says, Then Simon himself believed also, and when he was baptized, he continued with Philip and wondered, beholding the miracles and signs which were done. Now when the apostles which were at Jerusalem heard that Samaria had received the word of God, they sent unto them Peter and John. Kind of sent in reinforcements, right? I believe that we need to do that sometimes. The church lacks a little sometimes. You get somebody in, you talk to them, you talk to them about salvation, they accept Christ, they maybe get baptized, and it's like, you never talk to them again. You send them out on their own at their most vulnerable time. Because we all know when Satan comes around, he attacks you at your most vulnerable time because he studies you. He wants to trick you. He wants to blind you. And when you are a young, immature child of God, you're setting yourself up and you're open to hear and learn lots of different things. That's where the church body comes into play. Your church family can come in and surround you and protect you and give you wisdom and raise you up in the right direction. But I believe that's where the church is lacking. Look at where we're at now. Guys, if we don't start training the next generation in the kids setting here, there won't be a next generation. It's up to us. We have to start rearing these children, protecting them, leading them in the right direction, them walking and showing them by example, not just in words, but by actions, and teaching them about the truth and how to walk in the ways of Christ and how when you lean on people around you, they're going to fail you. But when you lean on Christ above, he will never fail you. But we can't leave young people out there vulnerable. So they sent reinforcements. 
I gotta get rid of this paper. I'm gonna keep picking it up. They sent Peter and John. In verse 15, it says, Who, when they were come down, prayed for them that they might receive the Holy Ghost. Verse 16 says, For as yet he was fallen upon none of them, only they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Then laid they their hands on them, and they received the Holy Ghost. And when Simon saw that through laying on the hands of the apostles, laying on the apostles' hands, the Holy Ghost was given, he offered them money. Right? I want some of that. How much does that cost? That was cool. That trick you did there? That was cool. You can imagine the life transformations as you've seen people receive the Holy Spirit, right? Simon's sitting there going, whoa, I want to buy that power because I could use that. It says, and when Simon saw through the laying on the apostles' hands the Holy Ghost was given, he offered them money, saying, give me also this power that on whomsoever I lay hands he may receive the Holy Ghost. What do you think his intentions were? He had lived years proclaiming that he was the great. He had deceived people of Samaria for years. What do you think he was going to do with that power? They've got something I ain't got. I can buy it with money, and guess what? I can do the same thing that they can do, and I've got my people back. Who needs Jesus Christ, right? Just purchase it with money. There we get into the presence or presence. See, the apostles spent time in the presence of Jesus Christ. 24 hours a day, seven days a week, for three years learning, for three years training. It's not something that you can buy. Right? You can't go buy that. You can't buy the presence of God. But sometimes we think, man, we need healing. I'm going to pray for healing because we need healing, but what you lack is a relationship with the healer. We want blessed, but we lack a relationship with the blesser. We're thankful that we're created, but we don't have a relationship with our creator. We want the blessings that he will give us, without having to put in the time to develop a relationship with Him. This is a very dangerous part of what people say they are Christians. Because the relationship is the important part. Right? What does Jesus say? He said, I'm going to have to tell some, depart from me because I what? I never knew you. We said, didn't we do all of these things in your name? Didn't we cast out demons? Didn't we help the sick? Didn't we help the poor? Didn't we do all these things in your name, Jesus? He said, yes, you did them in my name, but you never had a relationship with me. You said that you were doing it for my kingdom, but yet you never spoke to me. You helped all of these people and were a great person, but you never talked to me. You never longed for me. You never set your heart towards me. You were doing it all on your own. I read a quote this morning. 
I wrote it down in my Bible. David Wilkerson said, Faith is not to get you out of hard places, but to change your heart in the hard places. I believe that faith can do both because our God can do anything, right? But I believe he's on to something. Sometimes the thing that isn't needs to be changed around you, the circumstances around you don't need to be changed. It's you that needs to be changed in your circumstances. That's how we build and that's how we grow. That's what I read out of 2 Peter last week. That's what I talked about last week, guys. God is hammering home the point that we can't walk around immature Christians, young, in the spirit all of our lives. Because why? Because then we don't raise up teachers. We can't teach another generation. We can't teach what's to come. We can't show them what's to come. We can't raise up more teachers if we're not willing to grow ourselves. We can't teach a generation to eat meat when we never got off the bottle of milk. God calls us to grow in these things. And I'm going to flip back to 2 Peter, and I'm going to read it real fast. 2 Peter chapter 1, starting in verse 4, it says, Whereby are given unto us exceeding great and precious promises, that by these you might be partakers of divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. You have to grow out of these things. To be called out of these things, you have to have a relationship with your Creator. You have to have a relationship with your Savior. Not just by walking around doing good things. That doesn't matter. You have to have a relationship with the man that built you. The God that built you. The Son that died for you. You have to have a relationship. You have to know them. You have to grow in them. And it says in verse 5 as we go, it says, And beside this, giving all diligence, add to your faith. I'm not going to go down the whole list, but it says give all diligence to add to it. It doesn't say give all diligence to say yes and then do nothing else. Even when David messed up, God knew where his heart was. And it was aimed directly at him. Even though David messed up, God knew where his heart was. Man, I mess up an awful lot. I want my heart to be headed there too. So that God forgives me. He wants to forgive me. That's why he gave his son for me. But if I don't have a relationship with him, there's no forgiveness there for me. I have to have a relationship. I need to grow out of the milk for the next generation to have a relationship. I have to keep going. Keeping on the first floor isn't good enough. He wanted, back to Simon, he wanted to purchase with money, the power to give of the Holy Spirit. Verse 20, it says, But Peter said unto him, Thy money perish with thee, because thou hast thought that the gift of God may be purchased with money. Thou hast neither part nor lot in this matter, for thy heart is not right in the sight of God. So you got nothing to do with this, man. 
you got nothing to do with this because your heart is not in the right place. Your heart is not aimed towards God, the creator. Your heart is not in it. You want to purchase this gift for your sole purposes. What's the answer? He didn't just leave him hanging, did he? He didn't just say, you're in the wrong, man. Get out of here. Is that what God does with us? Hmm. I'm glad he don't. I am glad that he doesn't. He says in verse 22, Repent therefore of this wickedness and pray God if perhaps the thought of thine heart may be forgiven thee. For I perceive that thou art in the gall of bitterness and in the bond of iniquity. Repent of it. Repent of it. Turn away from your thoughts. Get rid of these things. Pray to God, right? Get rid of yourself. Get back in the presence of God and there and only there can you be changed. And that's what I'm talking about this morning. A lot of times, guys, we pray for things and that's fine. It's great to pray for things. God wants us to give praise to him and he wants us to pray for our heart's desire. But he also wants our heart's desire to be him. Because even though we pray for healing, and that's great, because God is the ultimate physician and can heal. And he wants us to make these inquiries. But he also wants us to say, God, be it your will, be done. Because I know what you want is perfect. And I'm okay with it. But if I can pray for this person's healing and you can just heal them, thank you, God, and I'll give all the glory back to you. Amen? Because God still heals today. Amen? There's things that doctors say, I don't know. I don't know what happened. It's gone. It quit. They told my uncle out in Colorado. He said, I'm done taking treatments for a while. I can't, this can't, I just, I just want to feel good. Give me three months. I just want to feel good. Doctor says, three months, that's all you get. We got to get you back on treatments. Guess what? He went back in three months to start up again. He said, I don't know what you're doing, but it ain't grown none, so we'll just keep on going. My uncle's like, guess what I've been doing? Spending time in the presence of God. Because he desired a creator more than he desired the healing itself. Because he knew stage four cancer, that this might be it, and he was ready to go. But he knew that he had a relationship with the Father. He knew that he had a relationship with the Savior. Death, where is thy sting? doesn't have one anymore not as long as you have a relationship verse 24 then answered simon and said pray ye to the lord for me that none of these things which you have spoken come upon me and they when they heard they had testified and preached the word of the lord returned to jerusalem and preached the gospel in many villages of samaritans wanting to purchase the powers of god you ever think sometimes if you can do enough good, God will bless you with more good? Anybody ever had that mindset? Guilty, right? Man, if I can help this person, maybe God will give me a little something on the other side. We start wagering with God, and that's not necessarily a good thing, right? Be content in all things, because why? He came and died for us. That's enough. He said, it's sufficient. What I have given you is sufficient. I will take care of your needs Put your heart towards me, your faith in me, your trust in me, and I will supply everything that you have need of. I'm your God, your creator, 
I know you better than you know you. I know how to take care of you. You know, seems pretty simple standing up here when I say it like that. Now, living it, on the other hand, is a little harder. But that's why we have to grow. That's why we have to dig deeper. That's why when the world knocks us to our knees, we stay there until God picks us back up. Amen? Sometimes it takes that knock to fall down to the position that we need to be in. That knock may be hard and it may hurt. But guess what? It's for the better. Because God knows us better than we know us. And if he says get on your knees, you better get on your knees. Going to Matthew chapter 17. <clears throat> Matthew chapter 17 starting in verse 14. It says, And when they came to the multitude, there came to him a certain man, kneeling down to him and saying, Lord, have mercy on my son, for he is a lunatic. Any parents out there ever said that? I've said it. <laughs> Lord, have mercy on my son. He's crazy. God help me raise him. Uh, yeah, Julie laughed. She's had three boys. <laughs> uh, two boys, sorry. Uh Lord, have mercy on my son, for he is a lunatic and sore vexed. For oftentimes he falls into the fire and oft into the water. And I brought him to the disciples, and they could not cure him. Then Jesus answered and said, O oh, faithless and perverse generation, how long shall I be with you? How long shall I suffer you? Bring him hither to me. And Jesus rebuked the devil, and he departed out of them, and the child was cured from that very hour. Then came the disciples to Jesus apart and said, Why could not we cast him out? I want you to listen to the answer Jesus gives. In verse 20, it says, And Jesus said unto them, Because of your unbelief, For verily I say unto you, If you have faith as the grain of a mustard seed, you shall say unto the mountain, Remove hence to yonder place, and it shall be removed, and nothing shall be impossible unto you. Verse 21 also gives an answer. It says, How be it this kind goeth out, go not out, but by prayer and fasting. What does that mean? You've got to get back in the presence of God. You've got to prayer. You've got to fast. Jesus tells us not if we fast. He says when we fast. He wants us to spend time in his presence solely regarding him and seeking him at some juncture in our life. He wants us to give up everything worldly that we know and that we hold on to and give our solely undivided attention back to him, seeking him. That's what Jesus told these guys. This devil, this devil was only to be cast out by prayer and fasting. You've got to desire a deeper relationship with the Father if you're going to handle bigger problems. You've got to grow. You've got to get bigger. You've got to get more spiritual. I didn't say more religious. Why? Because religion doesn't matter. You have to grow spiritually. You have to grow in your relationship with the Father to handle bigger issues. And I can tell you guys that this world is starting to hand us bigger issues. And if we want to keep reaching a lost and darkening world, we're going to have to grow up. 
If I want to continue to raise my children like I think they should be raised and like God would have me raise them, I've got to be stronger so that I can be an example and walk like I'm telling them to walk. That's not easy for me because I'm just a man. But I want my kids to set their heart on God and never turn away from it. So walking by example, I should be doing the same thing. I should set my heart on God and never turn away from it. That means actually giving of yourself. That means giving up some things that we're used to. That means getting out of our comfort zone a little bit. That means reading a little more. That means praying a little longer. That means sacrificing a little more time. I know, sounds like a lot, right? But guess what? You've got your whole life to live for God. I prayed I'd have started living for God sooner than what I did so that I would be farther along so I could help more, so I could do more, so I could pour out more. I pray for these things, guys. I pray for you guys to grow so that we can reach this community as a family of God. Not as First Baptist Church, but a family of God because they don't need First Baptist Church. They need a relationship with Jesus Christ, Lord and Savior. But we have to be in the presence of God enough to know when somebody else needs the presence of God, right? Are you bowing on your knees in a parking lot praying for somebody? Had that opportunity yesterday. What a blessing. But the Spirit fell on me and I knew it had to be done. And I'm not boasting myself at all, but I've spent more time in the presence of God over the last five years of my life than I had the last 30 years combined. I believe that I'm growing. I believe that I've got a long way to go. But I want to be a better follower of Christ today than I was yesterday. I want to make less mistakes tomorrow than I make today. I'm not perfect, nor will I ever be. But I want to hear the words, well done, good and faithful servant. You set your heart on me, and you didn't turn back. You made mistakes, but your heart was always set on me. And every time you made a mistake, you hated it. And every time you made a mistake, you repented and turned away from it. You didn't try to hold on to it. You let go of it, and you turned back to me. And all of our failures... In all of our successes, we should be always headed towards the kingdom of God. He's the beginning and the end. He's given you everything that you've got because it's everything that you need in this moment. How long am I going to pastor a church? Have no clue. It doesn't even bother me. Why? God comes in seasons. I may pastor for three more years. I may pastor for 30 more years. But whatever God has for me is the best thing for me and my family and my community and my friends. Because, see, my relationship with Lord and Savior doesn't just affect me. It affects everybody around me. It affects strangers that I haven't met yet that I'm going to meet tomorrow or next week or next month. Because. Because why? Because he says the sheep will know the voice of their shepherd. And when he comes calling, I don't want to be deaf. I want to know, whoo, 
He parted the skies. He's coming. Did you hear that? And I don't want to be the one standing next to you. I didn't hear anything. I didn't hear nothing. I want to know his voice, right? I want to know what he has for me. John chapter 15, last set of verses. John chapter 15, starting in verse 1. This is pretty familiar. I've preached out of it quite a little bit, but he keeps showing me new things in here all the time. You've read the whole Bible once. What do you do? Read it again, and you'll see 500,000 new things. You've read this scripture how many times? Read it again because you're going to see something new. Why? Because it's the living word of God. Read it 15 more times. Read it 30 more times after that, and God will apply it to your life how you need it. Keep digging, keep finding, keep reading. This is an instructional manual for life, guys, to guide you through it with ease and comfort. Chapter 15, starting in verse 1, it says, I am the true vine, and my father is the husbandman. Every branch in me that beareth not fruit, he taketh away, and every branch that beareth fruit, he purgeth it, that it may bring forth more fruit. Yeah, you can bring forth a little bit of fruit, but guess what? I want more, God says. I'm going to purge you, so guess what? That you can grow stronger. I'm going to cut you back a little bit so that you can bear more fruit, because right now, you're doing the minimum. Allow me into your life. Put me in the center of your life and you can bear more fruit than what you're bearing now. You think you're done growing? You ain't done growing yet. You just got started. Amen? That's what I get excited about. Where am I going to be a year from now? Ha. Who knows? Guatemala? Canada? Maybe fishing in Canada? I mean, that's one of those blessings that you pray for, right? I mean, that's just me. But it all becomes relationship with the Father. Not just desiring the gifts of his kingdom, but the relationship. Because he already tells us. He's like, I want you to have life. I've given you life. I created you. I gave you life. But I not only want you to have life, I want you to have life abundantly. I want you to have more life than you ever thought you could imagine. I want you to have more life than your wife ever thought you could imagine. I want you to be in abundance, a wellspring, never-ending. Giving people the water while they're never thirst again. I want you to be a well for me. I want you to flow out onto other people so that they may have life through me. Right? But only if we're attached to the vine. Because we're just branches down here. Verse 3. I like this one. I needed to point it out to me this morning. It's, it's good. Verse 3 says, Now ye are clean through the word which I have spoken to you. Whew. Just the words. He cleans us from the inside out. The outside may not look very good, but I'm glad he's polishing me on the inside. Man, through the words that I have spoken to you, you're clean. I'm not this filthy thing that you see standing before you. Why? Because the outside perishes, but the inside, the inside is eternal. Man, that gets me excited. 
Verse 4, Abide in me, and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself, except it abide in the vine no more, can ye except you abide in me. I want to tell you something real fast. Bad people have success, right? Guess what the devil does as well? He wants you to have a little bit of success too. Why? So that you don't think about God? If he can give you success without God so that you are blinded to see that you need a God, that is what the devil will do for you. He will give you money. He will give you power. He'll give you riches. As long as he can blind you so that you can't see God. Because he likes to trick you. He likes to trick you into thinking that you can do it on your own. You don't need a savior. Look at you. You've got a fat bank account and a nice car. Beautiful wife, two great kids. What do you need God for? You're successful, man. Look at the world's standards. You are successful. You don't need anything else. He is lying to you straight from the pits of hell. Because he is putting blinders over your eyes to desire things that are of this world. By the world's standards, you may be successful. Guess what? I don't measure myself by world standards. My standards are far out of this world. Because he says that I cannot bear fruit of myself. That tells me something. That tells me something. It gives me a warning that if you're having a bunch of success and it's dividing you and me, that success ain't coming from me. Because I want a relationship more with you than you could ever want anything in this world. The father wants to have a relationship with his child more than anything in this world. And so if anything starts becoming between you and God, you can bet that it's not from God. Because he doesn't create division. He unifies things. He brings things closer, right? He gave his son so that he could bring a rotten world back in. So that we could reunite with him. He gave his only son so that we could reestablish a connection. That's what he does. Verse 5, it says, I am the vine and you are the branches. He that abideth in me and I in him, the same bringeth forth much fruit. For without me, you can do nothing. Another confirmation, right? Without me, you can do nothing. The one that is in me and I in him, you can bear much fruit. And this fruit that we're talking about is eternal fruit. It's everlasting fruit. It doesn't perish. It doesn't get rotten. It doesn't get bitter. It gets sweeter and better with time. Because you start to bear more of it. And you start to bear more of it. Nancy Walker is living proof of this. If you've seen yesterday the way that people regard Nancy Walker, you can tell that she has walked alive with her heart's desire on the Lord because they regard her. She has bore much fruit, much fruit because she's connected to the vine. You can see it. These are the examples, Dylan, that me, you, Karina, Christy, Misty, Landry, Morris, these are the examples that we walk by. These are the examples 
that we get to set for the next generation. This is where we're headed. This is what we should be aspiring to live a life that at the end of my life, somebody will say, he changed my life. At my funeral, there's a lot of people that can tell funny stories, but you know what would be more meaningful than anything? Than all the funny stories combined? Is that man changed my life. He showed me the kingdom of God. And now because of what he showed me, me and my family will have everlasting life. And my grandchildren will have everlasting life. He was a funny guy and he messed up a lot. But more importantly, he showed me the kingdom of God and he changed my life. That's what I want to hear. There's plenty of funny stories out there. I've done some stupid things. But guys, we've got to try to make a difference in this world. That's what God put us here for. You're here for a purpose. And you've got your creator standing behind you, pushing you along. It says, if a man abide in me, abide not in me, he is cast forth as a branch and is withered and men gather them and cast them into the fire, and they're burned. I'm going to read that again because you've got to know the other side of it. God is love, but God is also righteous, and God will judge every single one of us. So I would be doing you an injustice if I didn't read you the other side of it. It says in verse 6 of John chapter 15, If a man abide not in me, he is cast forth as a branch, withered, gathered by men, and cast into a fire, and they're burned. If you abide not in Christ, not in the vine, you're going to get burned. Verse 7, if you abide in me, and my words abide in you, you shall ask what you will, and it shall be done unto you. Right? There's what we're talking about. Now we're back into the presence. Right? Christmas is all about the presence. It's all about the presence of God in his children. I always tell my kids, why are we doing this? Why are we doing this? What's this time of year for? What's this time of year for? What are we actually celebrating? What are we celebrating over and over and over again? Over and over and over again. Why? Because partially I have to remind myself, right? He came to set us free. And free we are. Start living in the freedom that he died for. Start growing in the spirituality that he desires for us. He says, abide in me, a vine. Grow more, allow me to purge you so that you can bear more fruit. And once you start bearing more fruit, guess what? Let me purge you again so that you can grow more and bear more fruit. Man, that's what I get excited about. Because you can see it in people around you that have lived a life dedicated to serving the Lord. And there's many others in our community. And you can see it in the younger as well. But it's not enough just to say it. That's what I'm getting at. It's not enough just to show up for an hour on Sunday. We're talking about a true 
dedicated relationship with God the Father. That's what he wants. That's what this world needs. He wants his children closer now than ever. And I believe that we're closer to the end now than we've ever been. Day closer than yesterday, that's for sure. I don't know how close, but he says not to grow into a slumber. Don't get sleepy because he says, I'll bless the watchmen that are standing on call when I come. I will bless them. If you would, please stand with me this morning. Presents are great. Blessings of God are great. But we can't become a church that starts desiring the healing more than the healer. There's a song about it. You know, we can't start desiring the lesser things and sacrifice the greater. What's it matter if you get healed here on earth and you spend an eternity in hell? What's it matter? What's it matter if you've got a big house if you're never going to get to live in that mansion? Right? These temporary things... He tells Simon, your money will perish with you if you don't repent. You can't buy this. This comes through a relationship with the Father. You can't buy what we've got. God will freely give it if you desire him. So this morning, we're going to open up the altars. Man, this time of year is tough, guys. It does a lot of things. You put COVID on top of it, the mental game, the struggles that we're facing now, I believe are bigger than they have been. I've talked to a lot of people that are just lost. They're just kind of spinning their wheels. They don't know what to do next. We have a job. We go to reach this world. That's our job. We desire God. We learn from God. We get in his presence so that we can go out and we can reach a world that doesn't know what to do. Why? Because all of a sudden, Give me we know what to strength. do. I was talking Teach to Anita this morning. And all this stuff that's happening around us doesn't change my purpose. It doesn't change what I'm called to do. I may have to approach it a little differently. I sat in front of my own phone for three months preaching the gospel. I that was weird. With nobody out here. Guys, that was weird. But it doesn't change my purpose. It doesn't change what God's called me to do. So if you can't find it this morning, come. Kneel. Pray. Seek a relationship with the Father above everything else. Because it doesn't matter if you're healed here. If you never make it to heaven. It doesn't make a difference. The altars are open. Come pray this morning. Teach me your song, shelter me in the shadow of your wings, for we are your righteousness. If we die to ourselves and live through your death, we shall be born again to be blessed.
Yeah. 